Mm, tonight, oh, you guys, um, like I said earlier, I warned you, <laughs> open your heart. Pastor Susan Folkler has a gift. She is truly anointed to help help um, unlock places in your heart and some deeper places maybe that you didn't know uh, needed an unlocking. And then she does it with such a tenderness and grace and love of a mama that just uh, brings you to healing and wholeness, like you to the next place that you've never been before. So please honor with me Pastor Susan Folkler. Thank you, Suzanne. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I'm going to be talking a little bit tonight about some things in my heart that have gotten unlocked lately, too, so, because that's true for all of us, huh? God is so amazing. I love worship nights like tonight, where he just, he just meets us, and he just tenderizes us, and reveals his heart to us in new ways, isn't it? Ah, Yes. So thank you, worship team. Oh, that was oh, oh, what I needed for sure. Whew. So, yeah, let's pray. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, um, gosh, I just thank you. You love each one of us in a way that is so meaningful to each and every one. And you know how to meet us right where we each need to be met. And I ask that you would do that tonight, Jesus. Thank you. You don't, you don't treat like, treat us like one size fits all. You, you treat us as the individuals you create us to be. And you encounter us, God, with such different facets of your love. So I, I thank you now for however you're going to do that. And I ask you to, to flow through me as you will. <laughs> give me your words. Give me your heart, God. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, let's see if I got this right. Yes! Hey, hey, hey. Hey, that's always good when that happens. It's really good. Yeah, I, Computers and I don't always get along today. I was at work for a little while, and uh, the computer froze. And last time it did that, everything froze on every computer in the entire system. But this time, I turned it off and back on, and it worked. And isn't that is really good when those kinds of things happen, huh? <laughs> Yay, God. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk today a little bit about something I've been going through recently. You know how God just starts bringing something up, and you try and, mm, no, we've already dealt with that. You stuff it, and it comes back up. Well, it would not, it would not stuff. It kept coming up and kept coming up. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's, let's process this. Let's find what this is all about. And, um, and I knew that I knew that I knew what I needed was God's kindness, 
I needed to encounter his kindness in that part of my heart. Um, Because I was not raised in a family that understood kindness or valued kindness. I was raised in a family that, um, that were very strong, very dependable, very loyal, but we didn't do emotion, tenderness, kindness, mm, those things did not happen. Um, so the, so the, some things were good, for sure, about my family, and I know for sure they did the best they could, and I think that's true for all of our families. They do the best they could, but they don't always know to do something with what they were given coming down the generations, so... So I want to talk about that because there was that part of my heart that that desperately needed kindness that was coming up in a big way and didn't know how, had no grid on how to receive it. In that part, sure, I knew. I've been around the blazing fire culture for a long time and I knew and, and parts of my heart absolutely knew and knew how to receive. But this one particular part, And it's a bit of a mystery how that happens, but it gets locked up in time and space in us. It can get locked up in in memories and in belief systems where we kind of can get stuck. So I want to talk about that tonight. So I was raised in um, the suburbs of San Diego, pretty nice place to live. Actually, it was was a wonderful place to to grow up because we lived in a very safe neighborhood and wandered for miles around our little neighborhood had lots of friends, and, and we had, I think my mom said at some point, 50 or 60 kids all about the same age. We'd be out on the street. We'd be playing kickball and freeze tag and running in and out of everybody's um, backyards because we all had big backyards. And it was, had a lot of fun outside the house. was a lot of fun. And I had a friend, Lisa, and she lived behind our house on the, on the next block over, and I would walk over there all the time and go visit. I loved going to visit Lisa because she had a swimming pool, which is kind of important in San Diego. That was awesome because it's almost year-round. You can almost swim down there. And she also had all kinds of cool stuff. Like she always had all kinds of animals and dogs and rabbits, and I think they had a monkey at one point in time. It was a little weird, but it was just fun. We had fun. So I, I really enjoyed going over to her house. But there was one problem. And the one problem was, it seemed like very often when I was over there, her other friend would call. And when her other friend called, I had to go home. So you're a little kid and you don't really understand why. But the message from between the messages I got at home and the message I got here was, oh, she doesn't really like being with me. Um, that there's something wrong with me that, that people don't really enjoy me. They tolerate me, but they don't really enjoy me. So that's where that kind of stuck place was for me. So it was time for me to go home. But I didn't want to go home because there was no place to be comforted. There was no place to talk about it. In fact, going home would just make my pain worse. I just feel even more that... Nobody wants me. Nobody wants to be with me. So I would have this memory seared in my brain of sitting on the curb between her house and my house. Didn't want to get too close to my house because I didn't want anybody to know. Sitting on the curb, feeling bad, just feeling sad, feeling alone, feeling bad. And there was two things that kind of kept that memory locked up. One was 
just kind of my family dynamic was, love looks like loyalty and duty. Love did not look like, I enjoy you, I want to be with you. My little heart wanted to know somebody wanted to enjoy me and somebody wanted to be with me. But I didn't think anybody wanted to be with me. So there was that. And at some level, I believed Jesus, that it was just a duty for him to love me. Right? It was just him being, it's just what he is, because he loves everybody. But it's not because he wants to be with me, that he enjoys being with me. There's a big difference there, isn't there? Yeah, and I know I'm not the only one who's faced this kind of thing. The second thing was, which kind of caught me by surprise, was this sense of loyalty to my pain. Because if I let go of that pain, it'll be like it never mattered. I did not know I was holding on to that thing. Sometimes we have this sense of justice because of the things we have gone through. That if I don't get justice, if I don't get my day in court, if I, you know, if nobody ever really knows or understands what I went through, how can I let go of it? How can I let go of it? Because it'll mean like it didn't really matter, or it didn't really happen, or the hurt really wasn't so bad. So I had kind of these two things that were kind of locking up that little pain part inside. And I would have, Jesus would be there, and I would experience him being there. And certainly part of me absolutely knew he loved and adored me, but then this other part just didn't quite. And that often happens. That can be often why we get stuck. It's like a lot of us know that, and our, we certainly reason it, don't we? We reason that God loves us, and, and a good part of our heart knows that we knows but that there can be these, these locked-up traumatic places that haven't yet come to experience how good and loving and tender he really is. And poor Russ. <laughs> he would, for years, he would be so kind to me and say, can you feel? Can you feel kindness? I'm like, I'm trying. Really? I'm, there's something missing in here that doesn't quite know how to receive it. Because we learn how to receive these things, don't we, from our, from our families of origin. And so there's this learning that needs to take place to be able to start to learn. But the really wonderful news is, Holy Spirit is our helper and our teacher and our comforter. And like me, he's going to help all of you get whatever piece, whatever receptor isn't quite able to yet, to yet receive, he will teach you. He will help you. So I knew, I absolutely knew that scripture and believed that scripture, that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So I knew, okay, I know this part, God is bringing this part up and It needs an encounter with him, and I think what it needs is his kindness. In the um, Passion Translation, 
that scripture, Romans 2, 4, is like this. Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? For many years, the church has gotten it wrong. We thought it was telling people about their sin and making them feel guilty and, you know, people would have signs, you sinners, whatever. That's not in the Bible. Uh Uh-uh. Kindness because when we encounter his kindness, there is a space that opens up for us to feel accepted and loved, and recognizing there is something better he is offering me than holding on to my old pain and my old sense of worth. We will work really hard inside to figure out how to be okay about ourselves. Really hard. We'll make up all kinds of stories in our head. (laughs) If I work harder, try harder, if I compare, if I judge, if I whatever. But we encounter his kindness. It's like... Oh, so much better. So much better your way, right? Like that, love that Defender Rita Springer song. Oh my goodness, the word, the, that song wrecks me every time. So much better your way, Jesus. So much better. And God knows that. He's, you know, he gets it. We can't make ourselves want this. We need to encounter him. We need to see him. We need to feel him. We need to know how much better his way is. And he'll do it for you, each one of you in his own way. So I'm like, okay, I've been reading the scripture. I've been soaking. I've been doing all these things. I've been getting heart sings. I've been whatever. Blessings my spirit. Okay, Jesus, what should I do? And so those things were all good and helpful, but I was like, I really need to dive into what kindness is. So I actually picked up a book, one a book out of one of Karen's bookshelves. It's a novel, just a Christian novel, but it was so well written and all about going through a struggle, going through hard things, and through it, encountering kindness and coming out the other side. And I kept, oh, I love this author. So I kept reading her books and reading her books and listening to Audible. Because it was that message over and over and over again. And it just really helped it get in deeper. Because we can do, there's so many different ways we encounter God. And I look at my childhood, and um, really I encountered God through reading really, really good books. Really. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I was drawn into reading books like Jane Eyre and Little Women and, and Black Beauty because I was a horse lover. And they just were, they didn't talk about God, you know, outright. But the theme was, there is someone there. It matters how you live your life. Loving one another, being kind to one another matters. And there's somebody there that's always to help. And these themes kept coming in. And they really did. I'm like, there is a God. You know, I found God really reading those books. And it did help me on top of all those other things. He'll lead you all. Sometimes having a chance conversation will help us. It's just God will do it for each of us in his own way, won't he? The other thing that happened during this time was I, um, I encountered a number of different people who were going through really, 
really hard things, like really impossibly hard things, like um, like making a mistake and having a consequence way out of proportion to what happened. And watching their life and watching them lay it down, like they had a choice to get offended and upset, and a lot of people would have, because this was like their reputation in one case. In another case, it was um, one of my patients who's, who's a believer. And her husband is, we all, he's also a patient. He's a little bit of a difficult person. I would say he probably has a, a personality disorder, a very difficult person. And um, in the mix of all that, their teenage daughter ran away from home, chose to live with someone else. I mean, just absolutely broke her heart. And she could have gotten bitter. She could have gotten resentful and, and angry at blaming the husband. But she chose to just soften her heart before the Lord. And daughter's still living with this other family, which isn't the greatest influence. But she is reconciling with her husband. And it's just the glory of God just shows up when she's in the room with me. It's like, this is amazing. But she made a choice to lay down before the Lord and surrender to his his goodness, his kindness. So I'm watching these people's lives and going, there, there's no excuse not to do this. There's no reason ever to not lay down when you see just how beautiful God makes us. There was what, when Bill was sharing, what he was sharing a little while ago, he takes... Our heart, he makes it beautiful. He makes it holy because it's who he is inside of us. It's nothing we do in our, of ourselves. What I saw them do was this from James 4. Lay, lay yourselves bare, face down to the ground. In humility before the Lord and he will lift your head so you can stand tall. He's worthy. We sang that a lot tonight. He is so worthy of us laying it all down. And I think maybe the hardest thing to ever lay down is our pride and our independence. Those are hard things to lay down. It's hard for me to lay. I'm pretty independent. I've always been a very independent person. I learned that very young to be, you know, strong and enough my own self. And this is a tough thing to lay down, but it's so worth it. He's so worth it. So worth it. And that's a tough one to lay down our demand for justice. There's something in us that wants and demands and needs justice. But trust that he is the judge of all. And we can trust how justice is going to work its way out in his timing and in his wisdom. And as I started looking at the scriptures, I came across this particular word for kindness from the Hebrew, which I am no Hebrew scholar, but it's that word chesed, I think. Is that how you say it? Chesed? Anybody speak Hebrew? Something like that. (laughs) It is one of the most important terms, according to Strong's, in the Old Testament. It It means from the bowels. It means eager and ardent desire. It means to bow the neck and be generous. And I'm sure many of you know the ancient Hebrew Hebrew, um, 
words were actually hieroglyphics. They were all symbolic. And they would link together different symbols. And that's why there's so much richness when you look at the Hebrew words. Um, I mean, they're just amazing, the depths of understanding that comes because of this. I don't know what the symbols are of kindness, but it would be fun to find out. So hesed means grace, mercy, loving kindness, goodness. It implies mutual and reciprocal rights and obligations. The closest interpretation would be a deep devotion. And a common term and understanding in the ancient Hebrew was keeping chesed. That means making covenant with someone. Keeping, saying, I will extend you grace and mercy and kindness, implying a reciprocity of an I will return that to you. A two-way connection. A commitment that in order to be fulfilled must be received. Again, talking about receiving, opening up our hearts to receive it, and returning it. Or at least... If we aren't able to return in fullness, to be appreciative, to be grateful for the grace and the mercy God is extending to us. Now, this is a radically different understanding of love and kindness than I had growing up. And I think a lot of times we, take, we look at God's love and just kind of try and expand it or extrapolate it from what we know from human love. But human love usually comes with sort of conditions and boundaries and limits. But what he pours out on us is without end. It never runs out. The only condition is you have to receive it, open your heart up, and allow it to come in. And that can sometimes be harder than we realize. Because this nature of being this reciprocal, it needs to be received. And this exchange needs to take place in order for that kindness to find a place within us. When I was, um, <laughs> when I was young, I didn't really like little girl kind of toys. I liked science project kind of toys and stuff like that. And I know one year I got a... Um, a biology kit, which had like a little tiny microscope with cool things to look at. That was a lot of fun. And then another year, I got electric, an electric, electric kit. And that was very cool with, you know, with capacitors and resistors and all that kind of stuff. Just a very simple, basic thing. So put a little radio thing together. I'm sure my dad probably got this for me. And it could get like one station, I think, barely could hear it. But that seemed really, really cool. So I took this little kit to school, and I don't know, maybe fourth grade, something like that. And um, because the other thing it would do, it would make a circuit. And the circuit would light up a little tiny Christmas, like little tiny light. But we made the circuit by all holding hands together and turning on the switch, and we were all a circuit with that light. And I thought that was such a good picture of the kindness of God. Because if anybody lets go, it's like it needs to flow. It's that river that wants to flow, that wants to flow into our heart and through our heart and into, into our whole being. Because that's, that's how it works in his kingdom, doesn't it? 
So chesed looks like, from Psalm 25, and this is um, the Passion Translation. Forgive my failures as a young man or woman, and overlook the sins of my immaturity. Give me grace, Lord. Always look at me through your eyes of love, your forgiving eyes of mercy and compassion. When you think of me, see me as one you love and care for, how good you are to me. We talk a lot here about his eyes of blazing fire. And they're blazing with fire, and they're blazing with holiness, but they are blazing with tenderness and goodness and kindness. It's like powerful. It's not just kind of being nice. It is relentlessly, I'm coming after you. I want your heart. I want you to give you everything, every bit of goodness that's in my heart for you. It's that unconditional grace and mercy we can't wrap our minds around. He's just our worst days, our worst moment, our biggest screw-ups. He's there with a silly grin on his face with his arms wide, just as if you're on your most glorious, amazing day. That's People, we don't do that so well. We have our limits and our finite understandings, but no limits in him. He is not impacted by our li- the little, little wobbles in our life. That's all he sees, just a wobble. That's all it was, really, in the grand scheme of things. Nah. That was the cross. Remember the cross? It took care of all those little wobbles and the big wobbles. That, that cross thing, yeah, that was where it all went to death. It all went to death. It all went to death. Yeah. You don't have to die. You don't have to feel like you're a messed up because of whatever happened. He took it all. And chesed <laughs> looks like one of my favorite scriptures from Isaiah 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? And why pay for food that does does you no good? I mean, how hard do we work to fill up the little voids inside? Um whatever, belief systems, we do things, we have addictions, we, have, we zone out, we surf the internet, we binge watch TV, etc. And you're going, really? <laughs> Why was I doing that? <laughs> we were trying to fill the void. We do. We try. And God does not condemn us for that at all, but he's like, come on. Check in with me and we'll work together on finding out what's missing inside and what you really need, what you really need. Because so often we do those things because our heart's going, eh, I need something. And we're going, okay, time to turn on the TV instead of really checking in to find out. And I have been finding out during this little season of time 
that, that I had to be really picky about what I even would watch. I was like, I only want to watch stuff that's like depicting fine, kindness at some level. I just, there's just some stuff I'm like, uh, turn it off. I'm not interested. And it goes on to say, listen to me. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, and I will give you all the unfailing love, chesed, I promised to David. The unfailing love that he covenants to give us, the mercy, the tenderness, the devotion. And he says, make yourself available to me, yield to me, and I will fill and I will satisfy you. Absolutely. C.S. Lewis says it like this. Whenever we try to put second things into first place position, we lose the joy of both God and whatever we are trying to replace him with. So we want to do... (laughs) not something else and God. We want to do God and the something else, right? Like, I think I've heard Bill often talk about how he watches TV with God. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm to the point yet where I know how to watch TV with God, but that's kind of the idea that we can do everything. I know I, I go for walks or sometimes jogs, and I definitely exercise with God. That's my place of connecting with him really well. God's not waiting for us to get our act cleaned up before he lavishes our love on us. And we sometimes have that belief inside. We sometimes don't even know we believe that inside because we're kind of used to getting judged by by people or our, our families or whatever. And we don't even know we do that. But it is so clear from the scripture that he's like, no, my job to worry about the cleaning the stuff up, your job, just come. That's it. That is, that's the deal. When I was, I think it was was back in, hmm, I'm thinking our white van was brand new, which would make it 97 back in the day. 97. I took a trip down to the Anaheim Vineyard with a a worship team from my church a couple churches ago. And um, so we went to a worship conference. And while I was there in worship, this woman came over to me and she said, God's telling me that that Isaiah 51 and 52 are really important to you. And I will tell you, I have gone back to those those scriptures again and again and again, and they really do minister deeply. I'm so grateful that she was was, um, faithful and obedient to God to tell me that. Isaiah 51.3 says this, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden, like this. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. So our waste places are those places we don't want anybody to see. The places we don't feel good about ourselves. The places we hide really well. Yeah. When we're struggling, when we're afraid, when we're whatever. But he's like, I want to comfort that place. 
I want to come, comfort, come with my strength. I want to come be with you and give you that nurture and the compassion you need in that place. That's the place that needs my love, actually, the most. And I want to come and be with you because, actually, that place that you thought didn't have much worth is one of the most beautiful places of your life. That's why the enemies come after that place so strongly. Some of those weak places in us, he's like, when we're weak, we're strong, right? That scripture, I think, is referring to that because we can't fix it up in our own strength. We need him to come and make us perfect and make us holy in that place and bring about the transformation of who we really are, which will require depending on him and leaning on him which we'll all have to learn because that's, that's a tough one to lean in the weak place. Ah, to let him see us. But he's so safe. He's so good. His holiness, his love is so much better than we can imagine. When we feel we have no worth, that place will become the most amazing and beautiful part of your life. It will. And somehow or another, on this little journey I was on, which took a number of months, <laughs> and it's not done yet, but I, one day I was going, whoa, little girl's not sitting on the curb anymore. What happened? I can't find her on the curb anymore. She's up dancing with Jesus now. Like, whoa, I don't know exactly when that happened, but it happened. Now, am I done getting a revelation of his kindness? No, I am not. You guys, it's going glory to glory to glory to glory. But he will find and encounter these little outposts of our heart that need to meet him for sure. And the response to God's chesed looks like this. Ephesians 5.2. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration a sweet healing fragrance. I love this scripture. He surrendered his life for us first. He's not asking us to do anything in return that he didn't do first. He, God came as a man and limited himself, stepped down from being heaven, in heavenly places where all is amazing and wonderful into a place he was completely misunderstood and laid it all down and he's saying could you do this if you do the same the reward is going to be so worth it so worth it and then the last um, scripture is Hebrews 12 since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship 
that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender and filled with awe, like we were doing in worship today. Wasn't that wonderful? It just really felt like we were like caught up in recognizing how worthy he is of all of our worship and adoration. But we need to know that when we do surrender, we will be offered something better, and he knows that. He knows we can't give something up without knowing what he's going to give us in return will be better and will complete us. And better than that little strategy we figured out for ourselves to be okay about ourselves. Our hearts can only truly surrender when they encounter someone better, someone sweeter, someone kinder than ourselves, and that our hearts will gladly surrender. We fall into the spacious freedom of grace and acceptance, and we leave behind that careful, controlled orchestration of the form and expectations we created for our own lives. He wants to make a new space for us all, a broad space it talks about in the Psalms, a space of freedom and movement and moving out those boundaries we thought we had to create for ourselves that actually just limit us. We do it to help ourselves feel safe, but then we end up sort of wrapping ourselves up in a bind. So I'm wondering if you guys would be okay with just... um, Maybe having a little time of encounter with Jesus. Would that be okay? (laughs) Please, Jesus, please. So however you might be comfortable having a little time with him. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You've been encountering us all evening, and you know exactly what our hearts need. And I pray for each each of these ones, Lord, right now, that you would, as you have been walking around us all evening, you would come. You would sit down next to each one of these and give them that understanding that you're right there next to them. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're having a hard time making that connection, just right now let him know what you appreciate about him. Either a time recently, and Jesus, would you move any distractions out of the way? Yeah. A time when he was right there, just may that come to remembrance. And what was it you were appreciating? about who he was and how he was meeting you right there.
And if you want to draw just a little closer to him, ask him, can I come a little closer? Could you come a little closer to me? Jesus, what do you want me to know about my own heart in this place? Is there an area of my heart that needs something from you? Do I need peace? Do I need courage? Do I need kindness? What do I need, Jesus? Show me how you feel about my heart, Jesus. And is there any place, Jesus, you want to take me or show me that would help my heart?
And Jesus, how do I receive more from you? How are you guys doing? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I think some of you might just need to just breathe him in a little bit. Just breathe him in. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I, as um, you're sort of uh, coming out of that place, what I was thinking might be um, good is maybe we could connect in, in small groups, maybe groups of, I don't know, two or three or so, and maybe talk a little bit about what, share. you can share what you just were experienced with Jesus, but maybe also a little bit about what, what your heart needs. Not so much what you physically need, but how about what your heart needs from him, right? Does that make sense? So, like, what, what aspect of God do you need more of for your heart? Does this sound okay? Yeah? So, we'll just spend a couple minutes doing that. So, um, if you could all get into little groups... I think maybe no more than three. Is that okay? And if you're not quite sure, just you can share what, what you'd like prayer for. That would be okay too. So just be, just be mindful to take turns. And after, I'll, I'll, um, I'll give you like three minutes and then I'll say it's time to change now. How's that sound? Okay.